My name is M. Jason Graham, and this is The M. Jason Graham Show. Copyright versus piracy, the marketing of value. There are thousands of books about the value of marketing, but where are the books about the marketing of value? You know, that venerable institution of white lies, half-truths, and outright falsehoods. I have to admit, we live in a corporate-tocracy. We are conditioned to believe that the rights and responsibilities of a corporation are more valuable than the rights and responsibilities of an individual. By the way, both are considered a person under the legal definition of the words. Most people think that I'm being dramatic, but if you look at the last five Supreme Court challenges concerning the rights of corporations and then compare them to the last five concerning individual rights, well, I would be surprised if there was a lack of hysterics. Today's guest is Mr. Jason Tucker. He is the president of Battleship Stamps, an intellectual property management, anti-piracy, and legal services company. Jason's copyright and intellectual property podcast has been instrumental in changing my approach to building my IP into a sustainable business model. As usual, I can be reached at the MJG show at mjgstorycreation.com. And now, Mr. Jason Tucker. Mr. Jason Tucker, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. So, um, if you would, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, how far back do you want to go? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, born and raised in L.A. I was a child actor. I got involved in licensing very early on, uh, doing music licensing while I was still in high school and uh, uh, proceeded to start uh, producing and, and whatnot. And then uh, once the, the dot bubble really started to, or the dot com era really kicked in, uh, I became a gateway uh, for uh, high-tech companies in the entertainment industry. And uh, during that period of time, obviously, the Internet was still there in, in its infancy stage. There was a lot of what we call dark fiber on the plane with a lot of opportunity. And uh, companies needed a way to leverage that technology while also testing their technology. So I became kind of this gateway between what was possible. In the middle of that, a uh, Fortune 100 company approached me and said, what do you know about the adult business? I took a look at it, and uh, the, the end of my feasibility study said, and I will be there. So I became <laughs> a gateway between mainstream tech and the adult business. Uh, and then that window sort of uh, closed, and I, I ended up, while diving into the adult business, uh, ended up owning a studio uh, and then having my content library stolen. Uh, and I've, I've produced mainstream shows before and whatnot, but, but uh, having this large stock photo library, having the, the experience of this theft very early on, I realized it was a problem. And that was about 15 years ago. So for the last 15 years, I've been working with mainstream companies and adult companies, uh, intellectual property holders, trademark owners, copyrights, and, and patent holders, on enforcing and managing their intellectual property portfolios. Um, 
Um, and, and that turned into Battleship Stamps, which now, uh, well, we're going on about 15 years, uh, as I said. And uh, Battleship Stamps is one of the largest holders and managers of registered intellectual property in the world. Uh, and then uh, I also have IntellectualPropertyHQ.com. It's our educational site where we also have the Copyright and Intellectual Property Podcast. So that's kind of the short version of my rather long experience, I guess. So how how would you or how should a creator or an artist protect his or her work? Well, depending on where you are in the world, it starts with registration. Uh, and, and almost every country has a process for this. If you, if you live in a country that doesn't, file your registrations with the U.S. Copyright Office and rely on treaties that exist all over the planet. And so step one would be register your work. So if it's a copyright, if it's, if it's an image, if it's a video, if it's a recording, whatever it is, if it's, if, if, if it's acceptable to be registered with the U.S. Copyright Office, I think it's $65 now, you can register your, your copyright. You can group certain things together as well. But that's really point A. Uh, and then that creates what I like to call options. Uh, because if you, you can wait until, for example, you can wait until your content's stolen, uh, but then the problem is, is then you're, you're not entitled to all of the, 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 the claims that you could have if you register it ahead of time, so within 90 days of first publication. So that's kind of what I consider point A. And then uh, to, to watch it or monitor it would kind of be the next step, and that doesn't have to be a labor-intensive process. Uh, uh, some people think, oh, my God, my stuff is everywhere, and I don't have that kind of time. And, and you're right. Most people don't. But if you can carve out an hour or two a month, you can get some of this stuff done. Or what you can do to make it even easier is go to Google and set up alerts. Your content has names. Web, you know, pirates are lazy. <laughs> and they want people to find your stuff. So they're going to use similar or the same naming convention that you are. Uh, and Google, being the collective body of all human knowledge, tracks all of them. So uh, just go create some Google alerts uh, on yourself, on your products, on your uh, content, and then the alerts will come in and tell you pretty much where it is for the most part. Um, and I think those two steps alone is a good kind of way to know what's going on as your content starts traveling over the Internet, which, by the way, from a marketing standpoint, can really help you because now you know – where the audience is or how people are finding your content, and it can improve your SEO and some of your uh, ad buys. SEO. Um, search engine optimization. Search engine optimization, yes. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I was like, I, was like I, I see it all the time when I'm online because I'm, I'm working on my website right now, getting it retooled for the, the podcast and, and for my business. And so I see SEO all the time, and I just couldn't – I was just blinking what it was. So what can I do if I find that my work has been pirated? It depends on what you want to do. And, and I don't mean that sounds kind of odd. So, uh, so for our clients, there's a – you really need to – under well, let me back up. I would say – an understanding with yourself as to what you want your content to be able to do online. So, for example, uh, if you want it taken down, and we'll go over those steps in a second, you can do that. But I also believe that there's something to be said for leaving some of it up. 
especially if it's very early on in the early stages of, of you trying to build your name out. A little bit of piracy is not such a bad thing. A lot of piracy, potentially hitting your bottom line, that's a problem. But some of it you may want to sacrifice and say, you know what, these videos or these movies or these songs or these, these whatevers, uh, I'm going to leave out there, but I'm going to take care of the rest of them. So to take care of the rest of them, uh, again, no matter where you are in the world, there is a process for takedown. So we'll just use the U.S., which seems to be a benchmark. Uh, uh, so you can fill out what's called a you, – you can find your work, obviously. What I would do is make a PDF or a video of the infringement following the experience that you're seeing so that if you have to prove later or you choose to prove later for damages or court or whatever the case may be, you have some sort of historical document or video to show on this date and time, this is what I saw and this is what took place. Next thing you're going to do is copy and paste those links into a notepad or wherever and fill out uh, what's called a DMCA takedown notice. Uh, you can either Google that or at, at intellectualpropertyhq.com. We have a free DMCA takedown letter that you can use. Um, and you just drop those links uh, into that takedown form with your information and then email it to either the site or the service providers of the site or both um, to ask them to remove the content. Uh, in most instances, they will take the content down. If they don't, then you can escalate it again to the hosting level. Uh, and then if it looks like it's valuable enough to you and you want to spend some money to do something about it, you can bring a copyright infringement claim against yeah. an infringer. Which, if you registered your – this goes back to what I said before. If you registered your content within that 90-day window of first publication, you're entitled in the United States to what's called uh, statutory damages which could be up to $150,000 per registration plus legal fees. And that can add up pretty quick, right? Ten registrations, you're $1.5 million plus legal fees. Now, will you go spend twenty-five dollars to fifty grand to go try and collect from somebody? If you're going to do that, I would suggest you analyze the site, figure out if they, you know, hire somebody to take a look at it or look at it yourself and see if you can figure out, first of all, if they've got that kind of money. Uh, or if you're just trying to posture. And it's, it's different for everybody, right? So the average creator isn't going to go spend that kind of money. Larger studios will. And in some instances, it's not to collect. It's just to get them to knock it off. Okay. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to reach out to the operator of that site and say, hey, I see that you've got my stuff. You don't have a license for it. But maybe there's some here's, – here's what I'm proposing. And turn it into a business transaction. If you – you know, I'd like you to stop using all of my content. I'll give you some of it. And here's what I want in exchange. And you can get a link or you can, you know, hook them up to your affiliate program. Pirates make great affiliates. We turn them into affiliates all the time uh, because they know how to get in front of people you're not. Right. So, you make, so, yeah. so you're saying you're, – you're saying – Turn turn a pirate into a franchise, a franchisee, an affiliate, yeah, potentially, yeah, yeah. If if they're going, if their goal is to make money and they're using a bunch of people's content, and you can work out a deal with them where they are going to not do that with your content or not as much, but you can benefit financially with them, then. If that fits with your goals and objectives, it may not be such a bad thing. But that's a personal choice, and everybody's different. 
So to give you an example, we've done this uh, with, with some of our studio clients, and just in the last few months, well, what are we in? I don't even know where we are. We're, we're in September now? Yeah. Tomorrow is October. So, yeah. Oh, somewhere since the beginning of the year, up until now. Actually, no, I'm kidding. Well, I, I, I do need to check the date every day. But uh, the, uh, in the last quarter, we've sent um, almost three-quarters of a billion hits uh, or had access to three-quarters of a billion hits a month back to our client, client site by having advertisements on sites that are getting three-quarters of a billion hits a month. So, uh, you know, that's collectively with a lot of pirates behind that. And, and, but you can see what I'm talking about now. So, so in that sense, yes. uh, uh, you can either turn all that traffic off and say, I'm disgusted by this process and I want nothing to do with it, or you can say, here's a business opportunity with somebody who is clearly going to do this, so would it behoove me to be a part of that? Again, it's a personal choice. I have other clients that are like, literally, and this is a verbatim, I have, I have two clients that have said almost the same thing, but the first one said it best, and that is, we are not going to do business with pirates. We do not want to be paid with our own blood. I can respect that. <laughs> I have other clients that are like, find me traffic. <laughs> so... Everybody's a little different. That's really uh, kind of an innovative, well, a very innovative way of looking at it. Uh, because I, I know as a as a product creator, content creator myself, that I'm still learning how to find traffic. So it's it, it's it's interesting, kind of like you said, looking at this as an opportunity. To at the very least possibly being able to find an audience that someone else has done the legwork for. Or that you're not in front of. Oh, that I'm not in front of, yeah. You know, no, it's both. You're absolutely right. That's, that's I think, what, what some people tend to miss is that they, they think, oh, they're, they're automatically taking away from me. What if you never had them in the first place? That's true. <laughs> so, um, which which industries have you noticed that suffer the most most from copyright violations? Well, first and foremost, and, and some people have trouble swallowing this information, is the adult business. The adult business is the reason why, literally, the internet moves at the speed that you like um, because uh, of, of the early days and, and and moving on. But outside of the adult business, which is kind of its own little um, circle, I'm seeing uh, e-book publishers, uh, book book publishers, writers are getting hosed. They're getting hosed all over the place. And um, I've seen very few, because everybody's a self-publisher now, pirates know this. They clue into stuff. And, and so they go, okay, people want to buy these things, so I can provide them access to it. And the probability the statistical probability of them having their stuff in order and having the financial resources, the wherewithal, and the stomach to be able to come after me is right. slim. But my margins can be high. And so the, the writers are getting hit hard. And I don't think, um, you know, I've spoken to a number of writers who, who just, it's overwhelming for them. 
it's not part of their usual business model. Nor should it be, but it is. So it is their problem, but it's not their problem. And unless they collectively do something about it, it's going to get worse. Now, the larger publishing companies have done a little bit, um, but most people aren't falling into that window right now. Um, and going back to what I was saying earlier, uh, all a pirate has to do is go, okay, well, Simon & Schuster looks like they're suing people. I'm not going to use content from Simon & Schuster. Right. I'll just move on to somebody else. They're not looking for problems. They're looking for widgets to sell. <laughs> if you can find a way to, 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 to interrupt that thought process, then you can make a difference to your own content. So, um, were there, were there any other industries? Like, are, cause. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the mainstream film industry sees it all the time. It's not as bad as I think it once was. The music industry definitely saw it. It's nothing close to what it was when Napster went on, was going on. Um, but, but it's, it's definitely, it's, I, I would say it's segmented right now. The next one to get hit are course creators. Um, uh, they're, they're not getting hit as hard as they will, but they, it's coming. Uh, um, uh, and course creators don't want the course creators that have reached out. I've provided suggestions to don't want to mount campaigns or spend the emotional resources uh, to go deal with the piracy that exists on their content. So that's going to grow. I mean, if you take that attitude and you let pirates know that, they're just going it, to—it's an opportunity. Because if you can get a two thousand dollar course for nineteen ninety-five, well, heck, people are going to sell that all day long. Right. See, both of those, both of those things are important to me because I'm, I, I have an online course that I'm starting and I, I write books, so I'm, I'm just like, I'm thinking about all of this stuff. Um, don't let it overwhelm you. I mean, that's, like, if, if you, if you take away one thing, it's that it's not as complicated as it sounds. It's not as scary as it sounds. And you've heard my podcast on this. Yeah. Topic. I've got blog post, blog posts on the topic, and I hope that you know I speak to it in a way that doesn't make it sound scary or keeps it simple. But really, it's just about registration, letters, a little bit of follow up, and then if you have a real case, you'll know because it'll present itself, and you'll go, you know what? Like any other investment, this looks like an investment that I can actually collect on or create a difference. And so, if and chances are. If you're finding a location that has your course or your book, you're not going to be alone. It's not going to be dedicated to you. I mean, it would be nice if it was, but usually it's not like that. Right. It's, you're in with a bunch of others, and you can reach out to others and say, hey, this is going on. Let's team up and do something about this. It drops your cost, and, and, and there's other things. So there's always a way to do something to, to knock it off. The most important thing is to start it early. The sooner you can stay on top of it, the easier it is. Otherwise, so when a studio comes on board with us uh, and they have a large library, it could take us six months just to get a handle on what's going on. And then another six months to a year before we've got any control over it where somebody could step back and go, wow, I see a noticeable difference. There's a lot of costs associated in that window. Right. Um, so, so, um, if you if you can just start it early with your Google Alerts, keep track of it, uh, then you'll know how to how to really knock it back 
if it's happening. Because you're going to see it in real time. It's not going to be overwhelming where it's like, oh, my God, I'm on 100 sites or, oh, my God, I'm on 1,000 sites. The other part is, depending on your industry, there aren't that many concentrations of piracy for a specific industry. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of sites, but you'll find that, again, if you, if you can plug into a specific network, one operator may have 20 sites or 50 sites. So if you do a deal with one, you've done a deal essentially with, you know, 20 to 50 to 100. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, I mean, like I started my, my spreadsheet because of what you okay. said on one of, one of the episodes of your podcast. And then I very shortly, very quickly realized, because you don't know how much content you're generating until you start to keep track of it. <laughs> and that, for me, I was like, well, I, this is ridiculous. Like, I need some kind of process. And, and so that made me very, it made me more intentional about the content that I was creating for that, which, which changed, made, made it more, uh, shifted it from less of, less of a mom and pop, like doing something out of your garage and more to, more formalized. Where I'm taking steps, and I'm and I'm definitely grateful for it, but it's 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 just the I think there are a lot of us that want to move from working a nine to five and having this as our part time gig, and to move from that to having this as our full time gig. Uh, but but like you said, you know, there's there's not a lot of us that understand that this is part of how you do that. You know, the, the investment has to be made. So um, I'm going to ask ask you to go over your, your information again, um, where your, your companies and your social media, but uh, what I'm asking every guest this season is to name two books that you found that's been influential to you that you think other uh, people should read? Uh, I tend to go off the beaten track a little bit. Uh, so uh, in Built to Last, Successful Habits of Visionary Companies, written by uh, Jim Collins, James Collins, and uh, Jerry Porras, uh is a good book. So Jim Collins is, is, a, is a sociologist. Uh, Built to Last was written a long time ago. But it's a great book. Uh, the second one would be, actually, three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. So the second one would be The Pumpkin Plan, and that speaks to what you were talking about, how to basically uh, uh, build things over time, how to grow, and how to manage. It's called The Pumpkin Plan. Really cool book. Um, and then um, the third one, which is kind of more out there, is Confessions of an Economic Hitman kind of talks about how the world works. I have heard of that one. Um, that one is actually on my reading list. I'm a little bit nervous uh, because I have a friend who, who's taken like six months to read the book because every few pages he just has to put it put it down. Like he gets mad. Well, <laughs> I, can, I, I can appreciate that. It's, you know, it's funny you should say that because um, my wife and I talked about this because it's um, uh, what's happening in that book, which historically was happening on by us, using air quotes, 
to the rest of the world, we're now doing to ourselves. So uh, I can understand some of the frustration may be in the fact that what's in the book is actually taking place in the United States right now, and it's hard to swallow. So well, enjoy it. I think I it's good work. It's book. important. It's important to know this stuff. I think. So those would be those would be my three. Okay. Well, uh, go over your businesses again, and then how how can somebody uh, reach out to you? Sure. So uh, our corporate site is battleshipstance.com. Uh, our, our educational site is ithqs.com for short, which is intellectualpropertyhq.com, uh, where we have the, the blog posts and the – it's an educational site. So we have blog posts on there. We have uh, the podcast episodes on there. We have free tools like the DMCA notice that I told you about. You just download it and use it. Um, we have a sender if you don't want to send it from your own email address. And then we have, uh, what's the Facebook group? Oh, it's the Intellectual Property HQ Community. It's on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Intel Prop HQ. Uh, yeah, and there's so, every single one of those locations I just mentioned has a way to get a hold of me. Um, and, are, and are all things that I use on a regular basis and interact with people on. Uh, the Facebook group's cool because it gives people a chance to just jump in and ask questions or, or seek help. And we have resources in there, and then I answer. You know, somebody sends a message, I answer it. Um, I'm pretty hands-on. Yeah, this is it's 100% true because every time I've reached out to you, uh, from all actually all three of those um, touch points, you've always gotten back to me within like 36 hours. So yeah. I love helping people. I mean, this is my life, right? So I, I really, you know, I, if I can help a, a content creator at any level. At any point in their career, um, it's it's just it's just a, to me it's a it's a good public service. It's a give back, but at the same time, eventually we're going to find a way to potentially work together. Um, so I'm in it for the long haul. So if I can help you today, where are you going to be in five years? You know, and if you selfishly, if you follow the systems we put in place, it makes my job easier five years from now. <laughs> that well, yeah, I hadn't actually thought about that part, but you're right. Because uh, whoever they are, like if it's me, I come to you already prepared. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you hand me a spreadsheet, it's also it's going to plug right into our system. That <laughs> makes it easy. I can hand it to the team, and away they go. So yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. And I'm glad that it's helped you. I, that's so. I, I, I take that as a huge compliment. I really thank you. I um. It, it was. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, your podcast literally transformed my thinking, and I'll have a link to I'll have a link in every uh, to the show notes, and um, also when you go to the new website, there'll be a link with that information in it in in your profile section for the episode. So I'm I'm doing everything in my power because it's it's really important that content creators at this level invest in themselves. You know, even, yeah, even if you don't move forward. That's what you're doing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just an investment. Well, um, thank you so much, Jason, for taking the time with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. No. I would like to thank Mr. Tucker for spending time with us today. I implore you, Listen to his Copyrights and Intellectual Property podcast. The link is in the show notes. 
Copyright and public domain are two terms I have rediscovered over the last two years. A copyright is activated as soon as you publish the work. You must register it in order to protect your future interests. Public domain is activated after the copyright expires. At this point, it is owned by the public for free use and cannot be reacquired by anyone, individual or corporation. So what is the point? Two things. Copyright is not about the perceived value of the work, not your perception nor anyone else's. It is about your right as the creator to determine the capacity of its use. Two, it's a $65 registration fee for the right to sue for up to $150,000 in damages plus attorney fees. That's an ROI of 230,000% over a four-year period. Now, how many long shots you made that could pay out like that? Next week, I'm joined by trademark attorney, Kelly Keller. She is the founder and managing attorney at the Keller Law Firm. That's right. I'm not taking my foot off your necks about this IP protection. Don't forget to like, favorite, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And share this episode with a content creator you know. Until next week, take care of each other. The M. Jason Graham Show is written and produced by M. Jason Graham. The show theme was composed by Travis D. Artist. This has been the M. Jason Graham Show. I'm M. Jason Graham.